I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to HR Coffee Time. It's wonderful to have you here. If we haven't met before, I'm Faye Wallace, your host for the show. I'm a career coach and outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. I make a new episode of the show every week. They come out on Fridays, and they're usually made especially for people who work in the HR and people profession to help them have a successful and fulfilling career without working themselves into the ground. But this episode and the next couple of episodes are going to be a tiny bit different because they're going to be relevant for anyone who is looking for a new role at the moment and worrying about their job interview and just wanting to do the best that they can in it. So it might be that you're listening to this because you've been made redundant or you've just decided it's time to move on. So if you've been sent a link to listen to this and you're thinking, well, I don't work in HR, why on earth has Faye or someone else sent this to me? It's because just for a little while, the podcast is going to be for you as well. And the reason I decided to create this short series of episodes, especially targeted at interview help, is because for my company's most recent piece of outplacement work, we ran some online workshops for a group of people who sadly had lost their jobs due to redundancy. And at the end of the workshops, we asked for feedback. We always ask, what did you like most about the workshop and what would have made this workshop even better? And one person commented in the what would have made it even better question, saying that they would have loved to have even more tips and resources they could refer to once the workshop had finished. Now, we do have some other resources to help with interviews. 
I've created some videos in the past and I've written articles. I've even had some of my advice around interviews published by the Metro newspaper, so that was pretty exciting. But the feedback made me realise that actually I've never created any podcast episodes about this topic at all. So I'm really hoping that by making these, it's going to help all my regular listeners as well as anyone new or anyone who really does want to do well in their interview. And before I dive into this episode to share seven tips to help you feel more confident about your job interview, I just want to say a really big thank you to the two most recent people who have reviewed HR Coffee Time on Apple Podcasts for me. So Jenny, thank you so much for your lovely review. It's wonderful to hear that you've been enjoying it. And I know who you are because you very kindly sent me an email to let me know, which means I've been able to email you back to say thank you properly. But I'm not sure who the other reviewer is. Their name has appeared on Apple as Bertie0611. So Bertie0611, whoever you are, thank you. It is great to know that you enjoyed episode 46, which was where I shared my three favourite books to help your career that I've read this year. Because it can be a bit of a weird feeling having a podcast, because of course I'm just sitting in a room recording it on my own, which means it's always just wonderful to have feedback, to know that it's making a difference and hopefully having an impact. But for now, I think it's time for us to crack on with the main part of the show. The very first tip that I'm going to share with you out of the seven tips to help you feel more confident for your job interview is to get clear on what it is that you're most worried about when it comes to the interview. Because it's so important you can pin that down. Once you've pinned it down, you can start taking steps to address it because otherwise that worry is going to be niggling away and no matter how much practice or work you put into other aspects of the interview, if you haven't addressed that, then it's likely to always be bubbling away as a bit of a concern. This is usually the first question that I ask anyone who comes to me for interview coaching, because just like I said back in episode one of the podcast, when it comes to confidence generally, there will be some aspects of the interview that you do feel confident about. So for example, you might feel confident about what to wear, or you might feel confident talking about specific examples, or you might feel confident because you know quite a lot about the company. So if you're asked any questions about why you're interested in working for them, you'll be able to give a strong answer. The thing that could be worrying you might be completely different to someone else. There's no point really in getting too broad when it comes to preparing for your interview without having first narrowed down and honed in on what your biggest worry might be. So to try and bring this to life a little bit for you, I can give you some examples. I can immediately remember one client who I helped with interview coaching. And when I said to him, what is the thing that you are most worried about when it comes to this interview? He said to me straight away, I just don't know how to explain the fact that I want to leave my current role because I've been there for a really long time. So I feel like anything I say is going to be bad, which of course isn't true. (laughs) Often the things that we're worrying about, we just build up, 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 up in our minds. And because we don't 
then talk about them with someone else or write them down or start to try to address them, they become even bigger and more scary and worrying than they are. So that was the very first thing that we started focusing on and it didn't take long at all to be able to come up together with an answer that he was happy in sharing as to why he wanted to move on. And that answer was very truthful. I have had people say to me, oh gosh, you know, I'm worried that this answer doesn't look good enough. Should I lie? I would never (laughs) encourage you to lie. That's going to make you feel even more nervous. But just by thinking, okay, so what am I worried about? Now I've said it out loud, so say it out loud to a friend or a colleague or someone you trust or just write it down in your journal or on a piece of paper if you don't feel brave enough to talk to someone yet. Having it down in writing can help you come up with a plan as to how you're going to address that. Again, other people have said to me they're worried about explaining that they've been made redundant and of course I've been able to reassure them that especially since the pandemic hit, unfortunately redundancy has become a completely accepted part of our working lives. There are statistics that show that it's very likely we're all going to be made redundant more than once in our careers and people are expecting it. They know that it's not just because you weren't good at your job. Redundancy has nothing to do with that. It's very much about the fact that your role isn't required anymore for a huge range of reasons. But of course, it can feel quite emotional talking about these things. So if that is something that you're worrying about speaking about, I'd firstly like to reassure you to say no one is going to judge you for this. This isn't going to reflect negatively on you. But then to try and encourage you to practice what your answer to that could be so that you can feel composed when you're giving the answer And as far as your answer is concerned, you can be very matter of fact about it. Often when redundancies happen, it's because the organisation might be in financial difficulty or there might be a huge restructure. There could be huge numbers of people who are losing their jobs at the same time. So just by giving a tiny bit of context about the situation, the interviewers are going to understand. I do think it's something that we can build up in our minds as being a worry. But although I've just given two examples, the possibilities are endless because we're all different. We've all got our worries that are quite unique to us. So try and pin down what it is that you're worried about, write it down or talk to someone, and then try to take a step back from any emotion that is caught up in that worry so that you can look at it quite objectively. And if it's hard for you to look at objectively, then of course, please do try talking to someone else about it. It's always incredible how another point of view can help us to find the answer that is then going to make us feel much more confident. So that's tip number one. Tip number two to help you feel more confident for your job interview is to ask for information about what to expect from the interview in advance. Now, the very first client that I supported with interview coaching, I remember her saying to me, oh gosh, I just feel really nervous because they could ask me anything. I just don't know what the format of the interview is going to be. They haven't given me very much information. So I said, well, it's fine to ask them for the information that's not going to make you look bad. That's going to make you look good. It shows that you're really committed to this process. You're really interested in working for them. You're clearly going to put your all into doing well in the interview. 
So she emailed them and said, I'm really looking forward to the interview. Thank you so much for inviting me to make sure that I'm as prepared as possible and can do my best in the interview. Can you share some more information about what the structure is going to be so that I can prepare? And they wrote back and said, yes, it's a competency-based interview. And as an aside to this, just to let you know, I will be creating another podcast episode that looks specifically at competency-based questions to help you with that. But anyway, coming back to the story, they said to her, it's a competency-based interview. Here are the competencies that you're going to be assessed against. Here are the questions that we're going to be asking you. So she couldn't believe it that she had the questions there and then and could really prep for them and do her best. Now, she was very lucky. (laughs) It's not likely that you are going to be given all the questions, although I do hope that that's changing because from a neurodiversity perspective, organisations are realising the benefits of being inclusive in all sorts of ways, including making sure they're being inclusive for anyone who applies for roles who is neurodiverse. So by neurodiversity, that might mean that you're dyslexic or you're dyspraxic or you have ADHD or you have autism or you've got Tourette's syndrome. I'm sure I may have forgotten some of the things that fall within the umbrella of neurodiversity. But if you have been diagnosed with one of those conditions, then it may be that it's a disadvantage to you to not know what the questions are going to be. And I have just been absolutely thrilled to see that organisations are realising the benefits in giving out interview questions in advance. I don't really see a downside to this because I don't know why everyone wouldn't do this really because it really helps people prepare. But even if you aren't given all the questions, just knowing that it's going to be a competency-based interview, that means that you can look through the job description see what the competencies are that you're going to be assessed against and then start thinking of some answers to questions that you might be asked around those. You may be told that actually they're going to be asking you questions based on their company values. So again, it means you can then go away, do that research, really get to grips with what their company values are so that you're going to be able to give some good answers that show that you're in alignment with them. So that is the end of tip number two asking for more information about what to expect from the interview. Tip number three is to practice your answers out loud. (laughs) I've had so many people come to me to say, oh, please, can I have some interview coaching? I just don't know what's going wrong. I have all of my interview answers prepped. They're all written down. But when it comes to the interview and saying them out loud, it just seems to fall apart. And I don't know what it is, but it seems to be this strange thing that we can think, oh, I'll just plan out the answer to that in my head, or I'll write down a detailed answer on paper. And then when you're asked about it, it's very hard to remember everything that's written on that piece of paper, or to really clearly articulate what it is that's swirling around in your head. But if you practice saying your answer out loud several times, then it becomes much easier to get into the rhythm of the answer, to remember the key points that it is that you're going to say, and it's less likely that you're going to get stuck when you're sitting there in the interview. And knowing you've done that practice and preparation can really help you feel more confident. 
Now, I'm not saying that you should memorize your answers. I'm not saying that at all. But even having had a bit of a practice at running through them, just noting down maybe what some of the key points are that you're going to cover, are going to hugely increase your chances of doing well and just boosting your confidence levels. Now, I know it can feel a bit weird practicing answers out loud. It might help to practice them in front of a mirror. I don't know what it is about that, but it means that you're more drawn to carrying on looking at your reflection instead of keep looking down at your notes. So you get better and better at being able to give the answer without having to check your notes. One thing that I think is a great thing to do now that we've all got snazzy smartphones, they've normally all got the ability to record yourself on there. So I have an iPhone which has a voice memos section. I'd really recommend that you actually record yourself saying your answer. And I know that might feel really cringy, but if you're putting in a lot of practice and prep and you don't have an interview coming up straight away, or you have got an interview in a couple of days, before the interview, not directly before, moments before you go in there, but a little bit closer to the time, it can be really useful just to listen to yourself, listen back to those great strong answers that you've been practicing, just to really help them lodge in your memory and make it much more likely that you're going to perform at your best in the interview. Tip number four is a really simple one, and that is to take enough copies of your CV into the interview for you and for however many people are going to be interviewing you. There are so many times when the person interviewing you is rushing to get to you, they may not even have read your CV. And I know this can feel heartbreaking because you've probably put a huge amount of time and effort into your CV. So it just feels horrendous to think someone would be interviewing you without having even read it. But that does happen. Or it could be that they read it a little while ago and they thought you look great on paper, but they've forgotten a lot of the detail that's in there. Again, I'm terrible at remembering exact statistics, but there are lots of statistics that show that when someone reviews a CV, it's for such a brief amount of time, it's seconds to begin with. Now, hopefully, Anyone who has invited you for an interview has done more than just glance at it, but it's very unlikely that they will really have read it in depth. Well, they might have done. You do come across some interviewers who are very good at having heavily reviewed and studied your CV and drawn out specific questions from that. But I would say from my experience, that's the minority of people. It's not the majority. So just to show how prepared and organised you are, you can then give them a copy of the CV if you notice they haven't got one. But also it can be helpful for you to have a copy of your CV in front of you in case they ask you any specific questions about it. And you're thinking, oh gosh, where did I put that? Or I can't remember what the stat was I put on my CV for that. It's just very reassuring to have it there in front of you. And of course, if you're having a video interview, so you're being interviewed online on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Skype or something like that, then you can just have your CV ready and saved on your desktop. So you can open it up and have it there to look at if you need to. You can even screen share it if you feel that that would be relevant and useful at certain points in the interview. Tip number five is to say, take some notes in with you of key information that you don't want to forget. So as you've probably just noticed, I find it really hard to 
remember numbers off the top of my head. If I haven't got them written down and I'm under pressure, so I'm partway through recording a podcast or I'm being asked for a statistic or a number in an interview situation, oh my goodness, that just gets me into a panic. So it's incredibly helpful if I've got them written down. So if I had been much more organised for this episode, I would have written down <laughs> the, st- the statistics that I've already mentioned. So please be more organised than I've been here. And anything that you're just feeling a little bit worried about, or you know it would be useful to have written down to refer to, you can just jot them down as notes. You don't want to take in pages and pages and pages of incredibly long scripted out answers to interview questions. That's probably not the best idea. But some key points, some key facts, you can have them in there. And if you feel nervous about mentioning the fact you've got notes or referring to those notes, all you have to say is something along the lines of, I thought that you might ask me something around this and to make sure that I give you the absolute accurate statistics for that I have made a note of them and brought them in with me I'll just refer to them now or if it's not statistics that you worry about remembering it's some other key points you can say oh yes I thought that we may want to talk about this key point I jotted down a couple of things that I wanted to make sure I mentioned to you let me just quickly refer to them anything like that is just going to help you look good. It doesn't look bad. I think people really worry that if they take notes in, it's going to look bad for some reason. But actually, so many people in the interview workshops that we've run or in the one-to-one coaching say that that has been the thing that's really helped lift the feeling of pressure from them. And of course, what often happens is once you've got your notes in there with you, you never need to look at them. (laughs) They just end up acting as a bit of a safety blanket. But it is still reassuring to know they are there in case you do want to check them. Tip number six is to find a way to relax just before your interview. So before you either switch on your computer to have a video interview or before you walk into that interview room, make sure that you've given yourself some time and found a technique that works for you. So something that I find really helpful is a simple breathing exercise. I learned about this when I was doing some research about feeling calmer in public speaking before you step onto the stage. So of course, although this episode isn't about public speaking, I think that the tip can be just as helpful for when you're walking into an interview. So I'll just talk you through this particular breathing technique that I really like now. The first thing to do is to put your hands on your tummy, because if you're breathing deeply to take in plenty of oxygen, it means you're breathing right down into your diaphragm. You don't want to be taking shallow breaths, which are just near the top of your chest, because if you're taking shallow, quick breaths, that can mean that you start to feel a bit panicky and a bit anxious. So we're going to begin by breathing out. You can try this along with me. I just want you to try and breathe out all the breath that is in your body, breathe it out through your mouth and have your hands on your tummy at the same time. So I'm going to do it now. So you'll see that after you've breathed out all of your breath really, really long and slowly, it forces your body to take in a really nice, deep, relaxing breath. And you'll feel while you're doing this, your hands move on your tummy because you're 
breathing right down into your diaphragm. Now, this might feel a bit weird or sound a bit weird because you might be thinking, well, don't I just breathe out for as long as I breathe in? But actually, no, it's been shown that if you can extend the out-breath so that it's longer than the in-breath, that it actually helps to slow your heart rate down. So when you're slowing your heart rate down, then that means that any pounding heart feelings come down, any feelings of anxiety and stress start to go away. So the exercise that I just did, ideally you want to repeat that a few times for it to work. The first time I did it, I just did it once and thought, well, this isn't making any difference. But the second time I did it, I tried it quite a few times in a row. And it's absolutely amazing, really. You just start to feel yourself relaxing. There are lots of other ones that you can try. All you've got to do is go on YouTube and there are loads of people demonstrating them or just do some research online. If you don't like the idea of trying breathing exercises, there are other things you can do as well. If you go back and take a listen to episode 36 of the podcast, which was four simple and powerful techniques to banish imposter syndrome, in that episode, my guest Joanna Lutz talks you through how to use something called PQ reps as a way of calming your mind when you're feeling stressed or anxious. So if you'd like to consider some different things to help you relax, I definitely recommend going back and having a listen to that episode. Joe takes you through and demonstrates how to do the reps live so you can do them along with her. That brings me to the final tip, tip seven, which is to have questions ready to ask the interviewers at the end. When I was in my former HR and recruitment career, my heart would sink when we got to the end of an interview, if we were interviewing someone for a position and said, do you have any questions for us? And they just said, no, I think you've covered everything. Although that's an okay answer, the people who really stood out were the ones who had some well thought through questions that often made us as the interviewers think as well. One thing to point out before I dive into some examples of the kinds of questions you might want to ask is to just say, although yes, it's really good to have questions to ask at the end, please don't ask questions about salary or benefits or annual leave. This isn't really the right time to do that. It's much better to save that up for when you're being made an offer or if you're in contact directly with the HR team. It isn't a great idea to bring up that kind of thing in an interview. Instead, think about asking things that are going to be genuinely helpful for you. Because remember, it's important that no matter how much you want to get a new job, it's really important it's the right job for you And by having a moment to ask questions, it really gives you a chance to check up on this. You can ask questions that are going to help you figure out, is this the right organisation? Is this the right team? Is this the right opportunity for you? And depending on what it is that you want from your next role, that is going to guide some of the questions that you ask. So, for example, if career progression and professional development are really important to you, you might want to ask what the learning and development opportunities are for the role or what the typical career paths are for this kind of role in that organisation. If you're going to be working in a team, it could be a really good idea to ask about the team. So you could say something like, can you tell me more about the team I'll be working with? 
no matter what job it is that you're going for, I think it's always a good idea to try and figure out what the culture is like there. And there are different ways that you can do that. But I don't think it's always the most helpful thing to ask that question directly. So if you say, what is the culture like here? It can be really hard for people to articulate that. And often they'll just give you quite bland, generic statements. Instead, if you ask the interviewers, what do you most like about working here? You're much more likely to get a flavour of what some of the culture might be like and what some of the benefits are of working there. Of course, if they say something along the lines of, I love the fact that everyone's really committed and works until 10 o'clock at night every night, and you've decided you want a role that's going to give you work-life balance, well, that's a big red warning flag that (laughs) it might not be the right role for you. But going back to what I was saying a moment ago, that if professional development is important to you, and they talk about the fact that they love the fact that they get professional development and they've really been able to progress in their career, then that's such a positive sign to you about the culture that it's one that does develop and facilitate learning and growth. But of course, what they say could be absolutely anything at all. And another good thing about asking them that question is it's a question about them. You're asking them what they like. And As people, as humans, we like to talk about ourselves. So I've seen this happen lots in interviews, no matter which side of the table I've been sitting on, where when the person being interviewed asks that question, the interviewers sit up a little bit straighter. They look a little bit happier. Oh, brilliant. Here they've been for the last hour listening intently to someone else. Well, now's an opportunity for them to say something and to really talk about themselves and why they enjoy working there. So I actually think that's a good question on a couple of levels, predominantly because it's going to help you to get a bit of an insight into the culture, but also because it's a way of helping, hopefully, the interviewers to warm to you and to remember you positively and to feel like they've enjoyed the interview experience with you, particularly the ending. I'll just whiz through some other questions that you might want to ask as well. So a really good question that I've seen people ask in an interview that has actually completely changed the course of what happened next is, is there any other information I can give you to help you make your decision? Because in this instance, when I first heard someone ask this question, I was interviewing them along with a line manager And actually, they hadn't answered one of the competency-based questions particularly well. It had left a few questions hanging over in both our minds, my mind and the other person who was interviewing. So the line manager actually picked up on this and said, well, yes, actually, I did have a couple more questions around your answer earlier. I wasn't sure what you meant by X. And it gave that person an opportunity to explain in more detail some of their previous experience. And that actually resulted in us really crossing the line and thinking, actually, let's offer them the role. Whereas before that, we had a bit of a a hesitation. If you're feeling really bold, you can say something along the lines of, is there anything I've said today that could hamper my chances of getting the role? It's quite a similar setup to 
that is there any other information I can give you, but a bit more directed. So you're really encouraging the interviewers to tell you if they've got any hesitancy at all or any doubt in your mind, so that hopefully then in the moment you can address that doubt and you can stop them from feeling hesitant about whether you are the right person for the role or not. Questions that show that you're genuinely interested in the company and thinking about the organisation on a deeper level than perhaps just your immediate job right there and then is what are the company's plans for growth? Other questions that show that you're really thinking about the role and that are going to help you as well, especially if you get invited for another stage of interview, are things like, what do you think the biggest challenges the person who gets the role would face? Or if you're feeling confident, you can say, what do you think the biggest challenges would be that I would face in this role? In fact, that might be a stronger one because then, again, if you haven't asked that question on, is there any other information I can give you? It might be at that point that they mention a concern or a challenge that hasn't come up so far in the interview and you can put their minds at rest that don't worry I can handle that challenge that's no problem at all. Another question in a similar vein is what would be most important to achieve in this role over the first few months? Now this can help in lots of ways it might give you a little inkling into the culture into the state of the team potentially into the state of the organization but also it's a clear signal as to what the absolute priorities are for that role. And it could be that they haven't all been explored in the interview already. So you can hopefully talk to them a little bit about how you would be able to do that, or you can talk about it in length at a second interview, or if you go away and reflect on the interview and think, oh, actually, there's even more I could have told them about this. You can always send them a follow-up email thanking them for the interview, telling them you've reflected on their answer to that final question and that you have some additional ideas you would like to share with them. The final questions that I'll share with you are all about wrapping up the process. They are very practical ones. They're what are the next steps in the recruitment process and when can I expect to hear from you about a decision? because it can be agonizing when you're waiting for ages, but if you've been told that actually they're not going to be able to get back to you for a few weeks, it, it lessens the agony slightly. It makes it a bit more tolerable. At least you're prepared for it. So you're not wondering, oh my gosh, has something gone wrong? Have they decided they don't want to progress me? So that can be quite a helpful question as well. That brings us to the end of our time together today where I've shared seven tips to help you feel more confident for your job interview. As a quick reminder, they were number one, to get clear on what you're most worried about and then make a plan to address that. Number two, ask for information about what to expect from the interview in advance. Number three, practice your answers out loud. Number four, take enough copies of your CV with you or have one on your screen ready if it's a virtual interview. Number five, have notes ready and take them with you if you'd like to, if that's going to help you feel more confident. Number six, relax. So try a breathing exercise beforehand or go back and listen to episode 36 where you can learn about and try out something called PQ reps that can be really helpful at helping you to relax and quieten and calm your mind. And finally, number seven, have questions ready to ask the interviewers at the end. 
I hope that it's been a helpful episode and that if you're able to put these tips into action, they help you to feel much more confident for your job interview. If you've enjoyed the episode and have a friend that you think it would be useful for, it would be great if you could go ahead and share it with them. Or if you would like to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. And I will be back again next week with the next set of tips for your job interview.